Today is the feast day of Pentecost, and the gospel reading appointed for this day is taken from the 14th chapter of St. John's Gospel, beginning with the 23rd verse. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it comes, that when it com does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. In the streets of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, a great and wondrous miracle transpired. When the apostles, men who were not learned in the ways of the law after the fashion of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, spoke, we are told, with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was not a speaking in tongues which would need any interpreter. There was no confusion spread by their speech. Instead, they proclaimed the word of the Lord. For those who heard them testified, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. That which they spoke was comprehensible to all who heard it, for each man heard their proclamation in his own native tongue. Each one heard the language in which he was born. And yet the accent of the speakers revealed the region from which the men had come, for no one had a hard time realizing that these men were Galileans. The men who heard the apostles were able to relate their experience unto one another because of their own shared knowledge of Greek and perhaps Hebrew. But it was the apostles who spoke to them in the language of the land of their birth. At the end of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now in the second chapter of Acts, we have heard that on the day of Pentecost, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. As each man heard the wonderful works of God in his own native, native tongue, an ancient division began to be undone. There had been a time before when all men spoke with one tongue, but they did not proclaim the wonderful works of God, but sought rather to advance their own works to their own glory. Thus we read in Genesis the 11th chapter that the whole earth had one language and one speech. But they used that common language and speech to defy God's commandments that they were to fill the earth. For they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. It was at their tower of Babel 
the Lord scattered them over the face of, the, of all the earth and confused their languages. Now at Pentecost, a new holy nation of the saints of God, his elect remnant, was being gathered from the ends of the earth. The Lord had commanded his disciples to remain in Jerusalem and await this day. As Jesus said in Luke, the 24th chapter, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, by commandment of God, they had remained together. At Babel, the gathering had been defiance of the divine word, but now they were gathered to his glory. And the tongues, once divided by sin, were united again by the gracious action of God. Now, not all who heard that day heard with joy and acceptance, for we're told that the blasphemers heard the word of the wonderful works of God and spoke against the servants of the Lord with a ridiculous charge, declaring they are full of new wine. The charge is absurd, but Peter replied to them with words of great significance. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. That which is heard today in the words of the Old Testament lesson has indeed come to pass, has been fulfilled in the days of the apostles. For all has been brought to pass for them, as Jesus said unto them, but the whole helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And as Peter quotes from those words of the prophet Joel, he stops just short of those last words from the Old Testament reading for today, where we read, For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. That calling together of the remnant began on Pentecost, just as the Lord had called together his remnant from the tribes of Jacob throughout the Old Testament, and indeed had even gathered many Gentiles into Israel. Now the Lord gathers his remnant from among all the nations, both of Jews and Gentiles. That which arises is, in the words of St. Peter in his first epistle, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, indeed a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. St. Peter thus wrote to the church that she is a holy nation, the Lord's own special people. The remnant which is gathered from Pentecost to the last day is such a holy nation. Though divided among the nations and ages of men, we are one as we keep the word. The unity of the one true church is not found in numbers or movements or worldly power, and is not found in any man save Christ that we are united. For he is the one who is God and man. He is the one who is redeemer of his body, the church. It is thus that we hear Jesus' words in John, the 14th chapter. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Men have wanted to make the unity of the church to be found not in keeping the words of Christ, but in pension plans, cathedrals, worldly power, and the influence of the church. Some have even imagined that they could center that unity in the papacy of all things. But far from leading men to the truth, that has led men into error time and again. But indeed, all of these things of which we have spoken, the pension plans, the cathedrals, the worldly power, are worse than useless when they are received apart from the unity of the faith. When the multitude in Jerusalem heard the word of St. Peter on the day of Pentecost, there were then 3,000 who were baptized. And St. Luke records in Acts, the second chapter, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. United in the word of the Lord, they were thus united in the fellowship of the apostles' doctrine. Closed communion, therefore, begins with Acts, the second chapter. For the breaking of bread, the communion, is linked to continuing steadfastly in the doctrine and fellowship of the apostles. Jesus declared, He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. As church, therefore, we only have the outward word of a man to go on when assessing the beliefs of someone else. After all, we cannot read their hearts. We can only hear the confession of faith which they make. And the most important fact in that confession is where they choose to hear and receive the gifts of God. There is no, therefore no sin when we attribute the doctrine of the various sectarians and heresies to those who identify themselves with them through their church membership, through their religious affiliation. Our Christian concern for them is that their public confession is not in conformity with the word of Jesus. And it's Jesus who said, he who does not love me does not keep my words. We are, when we are thus led to have our fears and concerns for others based on their public confession, we do not sin when we hold them responsible for the doctrine of their churches. We attribute integrity to them by assuming that their public doctrine and their private beliefs are one and the same. Jesus declared, He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. It is through this word that the Holy Spirit creates and sustains faith in believers, and it is in this word that we have the hope of salvation proclaimed to us. This is the Catholic faith, as we confess it to be, is to be kept whole and undefiled, therefore, lest we perish everlastingly. To discard the word of the Lord is to demonstrate a lack of love for the word of God in flesh, that is, for Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus promised his apostles that the Holy Spirit would teach them all things and bring to their remembrance all things that Jesus said to them. And it was given to the apostles that they would then teach the church. This teaching, which has been imparted to you, the apostolic teaching, is that which faithfully confesses Christ Jesus, our God and Lord, who is perfect God and perfect man, our life and our salvation, 
who made full payment for the sins of the guilty and who rose from the dead on the third day. It is into this faith that we are baptized. It is into this faith that those who are of the church have been confirmed and have sworn before the triune God that they would suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from this faith. Now, of ourselves, we do not have the strength to keep such an oath. The strength comes from the Lord, who bestows his Holy Spirit upon us, and who keeps us in the faith, strengthening us in the way of salvation through the means of grace, the word, and the sacraments. Christ Jesus, who died for our sins, remains with us, having conquered death and ascended to the right hand of the Father. The precious gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit strengthens and sustains us in faith. We have been baptized into Christ Jesus, We've, and thus we have that hope which is conveyed in Titus, the third chapter. According to his mercy, he saved us through the washing, regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We had no worthiness of our own. No work of ours could ever do. There are many who cast away their hope by departing from the word of the Lord and turning aside into sin and death. That we abide in the way of life is the gift of the Lord alone, for he is the way and the truth and the life. He is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is our hope, through the word of the Lord by the promise of the living God, and is a hope which will never disappoint. As those of the remnant, those who have heard the word and have received that word by the working of the Holy Spirit, thus we have a living hope. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who didst teach the hearts of thy faithful people by sending to them the light of thy Holy Spirit, Grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who with thee and the Holy Ghost lives and reigns, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10.30 a.m. worship service. Sunday school is available for all ages at 9.30 a.m. Salem is affiliated with the Evangelical Lutheran Diocese of North America. And we invite you to learn more about our fellowship at its website, www.eldona.org. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.